Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast, Almost Here, Round the Corner Technology. And today I'm talking to the CEO of NeuroSky, Stanley Yang. I pronounced it Neurosky, thinking, you know, brain type stuff, neurons, but it's actually NeuroSky. So, Stanley, how you doing? Pretty good. Hi, Jacob. Yeah. Oh, Richard, right, so we'll, we'll get. That's oh, okay. Both names work. Like I said, I messed up your company's name, so, you know, all fair game. Um, just before we start, as a resource, the website is neurosky.com, N-E-U-R-O-S-K-Y.com. And Stanley, to start off, uh, tell the audience, the listeners, what uh, do you guys do at Neurosky? Yeah, we build these uh, human body sensors. Basically, uh, we have two types of sensors. One senses the brain wave, the other senses your cardio signals. And uh, they're being applied into various different, uh, embedded into various different uh, applications and devices, from headsets for gaming to education to more of a healthcare type of product um, for the brain wave. And for the cardio signals, they're being embedded in wristbands, smart watches, sometimes cell phones, a lot of uh, mobile devices for remote tracking of your health. All right, well, let's talk about the, uh, you know, let's switch it up. The, the cardio product you have, what does it do and how does it work? How does a person interface with or get uh, information about themselves and what do they do with it? Um, so we measure actually a medical grade ECG with one lead so that uh, if you were to embed that sensor in, let's say, a wristband product uh, or a smartwatch or a cell phone or some kind of mobile device. Now you can basically try to send your uh, one lead ECG information uh, to the cloud and have it analyze your conditions. Um, so it's not just for medical people. For example, let me give you a very simple example. If you're training for a marathon run or some kind of triathlon or long bicycle ride, um, sometimes you need to pace, in fact, most of the time, almost always, you need to pace yourself. You need to make sure that you're not running out of quote-unquote energy or in the, in the um, uh, physiological sense. Your physiological stress should not be high to a, too high to a point where you can't run anymore. So um, you kind of pace yourself to preserve your energy to run to the end. Um, an ECG signal uh, measurement can monitor you constantly during your training. Uh, for hmm. This is one example. Uh, so it doesn't have to okay. be medical. It can be for uh, any type of purposes. Um, we even have a client try to use it to uh, measure the day-to-day stress level, make, making sure that that uh, he's not stressing his employees out too much because it's more labor uh, labor kind of work. Okay, so you can continuously monitor your heart rate, you're saying, right? Or, or sorry, 
the waveform. It's not heart rate. It's called it's called ECG or you know some people call it EKG. Uh, okay. When you go to the hospital, they they hook you up with the wire and they or they can measure your body from head to toe, right? Um, but in okay. our normal day to day routine, uh, we most likely would not be just sitting there being prepped and get gel, you know, paste on your body and get a sticker on you and just get measured. Um, so we designed these medical grade uh, sensors that can be used in your day-to-day routine uh, for more of a consumer use. I've heard about that part, but tell me about what data, if I look at my ECG or EKG with mm-hmm. your device, yeah. what will I see yeah. literally and what will it tell me? Okay, so for example, um, for more serious cases, arrhythmia, there various types of arrhythmia. Um, one big one is uh, atrial fibrillation. And in that case, it cause, sometimes can cause you brain strokes if it's severe enough. So you want to have an early enough detection of that when you start developing this type of uh, arrhythmia. But most people don't know they have it until they run into some kind of problem. Or if they're lucky, that it just so happens they're in the hospital, the doctor's looking at it, and uh, at the EKG, and then they found out, right? But most people actually wouldn't know until the problem becomes more severe. Um, so in this case, uh, let me give you a live example. We recently did a uh, project with an insurance company, and we were tracking 3,000 people, 3,000, and they classified them as healthy people. And within uh, three months, Three months worth of data, we found that 103 people had uh, one some form of arrhythmia or another. And sure enough, we send them all. What they send them all to the hospital and check it out, and they all had early forms of it. They didn't know. The insurance company didn't know. But in this case, they actually found out, so they could prevent these people from progressing further. So this is more of a serious application. Okay. <laughs> All right, so it could signal arrhythmia. What else um, could it signal? What are some other things that maybe are not so serious? Maybe I just want to get in better shape, or yeah. I mean, you know, what are the reasons that uh, this would be useful to me? This kind of device. Okay, so um, for fitness reasons, uh, let's say nowadays everybody's saying, well, we we wear a wristband and we can count our steps. If we get ten thousand steps, we are. Uh, we should be healthy, and then we should burn certain calories. Actually, that's not the case. The calorie burning and the healthy level is not. Uh, it varies by person. So it's more meaningful to find out um, how much calorie you burn at what kind of heart rate and what kind of uh, ECG condition. And everybody's different. So um, it's easier to... Uh, it's more accurate, not easier, but it's more accurate to um, understand your condition and then tweak it, uh, tweak the condition, raise the condition up or down based on your age and your capabilities and come up with a level of exercise that you can take. So, for example, not everybody can exercise at a heart rate level of 120. You know, so it kills somebody to do that uh, if you're not used to that kind of rigorous um uh, training. So not everybody can do aerobic exercise. Some people may have to just walk a little faster. And so everybody has a different level of tolerance. 
So it's it's not good. It's not entirely accurate to tell people. Well, if everybody saw walk ten thousand steps and they burn, you know, fifteen hundred calories, then they're okay. That's that's actually not the case. Like I said, uh, I was saying earlier, uh, to generalize everybody with ten thousand steps and certain calories uh, is not exactly accurate. To more accurately measure everybody, um, it's and, and give everybody a workout recommendation or fitness program. <clears throat> it's best to use uh, the ECG more accurate um, readings and tailor it to based on the reading, tailor the program to uh, everybody's personal need. So, for example, if you're 300 pounds, every step you take is going to burn more calorie than if you were a 100 pound person. Because it just takes less effort to take one step, for example. Okay. Um, I know you don't want to give specific recommendations, especially because everyone's so different. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any anecdotal observations and feedback from people that use this device where they tell you some of the things they've accomplished because of it? And maybe a, just a few examples. You gave the atrial um, fibrillation, yeah. you know, the prevention of... Um, Heart failure type instance, which is great. Anything else? Any other? Uh... Yeah, we have a few um, Olympic athletic uh, training programs that we implemented over the years, and uh, some of them actually won gold. Um, I can't use their name because they they uh, brand their names, and uh, uh, I think mm. it'll be in French of the trademark infringement of the trademark. If I did that, but under our program. Um, or our technology, not our program. Under their coaches program using our technology, um, we have produced several gold winners um, in the past several years. Uh, that, that's you know, one extreme of using it for, for extreme sports. And then somewhere in between, um, we have we have some companies, several companies, uh, using the ECG technology to monitor their employees' health and uh, stress level so that uh, they're not overly work. uh, they're hmm. working overtime. Wow, that's crazy. Um, any results from doing that? Did the employees feel it was invasive? Did they welcome it? Um, no, actually not. So let me give you an example. It's not quite invasive at all. Uh, let me give you one example without giving away the names of the company. Uh, it's a bank, and uh, they have um, overall 200,000 employees. But they didn't start out with all 200,000 employees. What they did was they started out with um, 50,000 that would try with them. And the deal is, or the, the this procedure is, whenever they feel like they're tired or stressed or whatever, um, each one of them offer a a uh, set of uh, devices um, at their desk. They can lock on to play this game, uh, wearing the device and lock on to play this game. In this case, it's a combination of headset and headset for for brainwave and cardio. And the game will last three to five minutes, depending on what it is. And they, and they can play uh, any amount of time during the day when they're working or night when they're working. Uh, what they found out amazingly was after doing this, 
instead of taking coffee breaks and stuff, they offer them to just play with these games and relax um, and with the biofeedback. Uh, they found out that with the 50,000 people they were tra uh, trialing, they found out that uh, uh, errors they were making, the number of errors reduced by up to 50%. And that really is a cost-saving and productivity boosting for this particular company. And so they decided to proliferate it to the rest of the company. And Why until now, there's... They got the... Um the 50% um, reduction in errors? I don't know. They just compare the 50,000 people against the rest of the employees and, and their track record. I, I don't know wh wh why the error rate reduced. Uh, I, I cannot speculate, but uh, I can only say when you're when you're tired or you feel like you're, you're uh, getting some bottleneck, when you play some games to reduce your stress and refresh your mind, um, now you have a new, new mindset to deal with the problem. You make less mistakes and you're more productive. Hmm. Just like we're typically more productive uh, and make a lot less mistakes when you have a, a good rest, after a good rest. And if you continue right. to work without a good rest, you're probably going to make mistakes. It's very... Um, Easy to understand that, but the method is not send them to sleep or anything. Okay, if you feel frustrated, play this game, and it takes three to five minutes. That's something to find with them. Um, right. So it doesn't take too much time, and then they get right back on work. They found out that that was very effective. Okay. Well, let's, so we, we focused a lot on the heart rate, or not heart rate monitor, but EKG, ECG monitor. What is the other product that you talked about? It's you know it's been a few minutes. The brainwave. Uh, tell me about that one. The brainwave. Yes, let's talk about that. But what does that do? And yes. What's the effect you've seen? So, putting a sensor on the forehead, we can actually capture a person's brainwave. Um, there are many different applications there. The but the most famous ones probably are the the Star Wars Force Trainer, where we simulate the force. Um, uh, of the Star Wars, actually, uh, frankly, that that's a game. You can still buy it at uh, Target or I believe some retail stores or Amazon. And um, cool. it actually, it's not really the force. It's you know, it's really a sen our sensor detecting the level of focus you have or the player has. And the more focus you are in, the the bigger the force you get, Jedi Force, and and then you can defeat sure. the holographic image that's interacting with you. So, um, that's perhaps the most um, well-known one. We There's another very well-known one is uh, the one we did with Mattel. It's called the MindFlex and the MindFlex Duel. Uh, extremely popular. Uh, they, they were completely sold out in retail stores uh, several years ago. Now you can only buy them on, online. Uh, probably some still left in Amazon. And then uh, the most, probably the most well-known one on the gaming side or entertainment side is a product called Mimi. Uh, it's Japanese for cat ears. Um, it's a brainwave cat ear. It was designed by a Japanese company called Dentu. Um, and it's so like crazy uh, worldwide, especially in Japan. And, uh, some of well, the, what does it uh, do? Here. 
It basically it's a pair of cat ears. I mean, you were, you, you see a lot of that uh, uh, during the Halloween uh, period. Um, it reacts to your emotion. So if you're happy, that that your ears would wiggle. If you're you're um, sad or kind of bored, they droop down. And if you see something you really really interested, then the ears perk up real straight. So huh. it does this reactive fear of your emotions. Oh, so Nico, Mimi. Um, I don't believe they're they're uh, available anymore. Maybe some used ones, because uh, they built a huge amount of complete all sold out now about a year or two years ago. Um, okay. And ECO and my my. So the the mention the several products I mentioned above are more gaming and, and uh, entertainment products. There are other games. There's quite a few to name, so I'll stop here. Um, people also use our Brainway <coughs> uh, products for education. So, for example, uh, they monitor students' reaction. Uh, are they feeling more positive or negative towards certain content and try to gauge the uh, level of uh, interest of the student? Uh, that's one way of uh, doing that. Um, in um, more humanitarian ways, we um, have worked with several organizations to try to help um, ALS patients communicate mm -hmm. through our uh, brainwave headset so that since they cannot move, uh, they give them really? a little bit of ability to, well, not not like a normal person, don't get me wrong, it's kind of slow, but uh, we give them the ability to say yes or no, uh, ability well, the to most, select... Um... The most famous example of ALS is Stephen Hawking, right? Is that what he has? Uh, yeah, he has. Either he has ALS or Parkinson's. I can't. But yeah, it's okay. Well, it's, anyway, we'll get back. But what's um, motor? Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible thing. So yeah, yeah, let's get back to your device. How do you? Um, so how does this work? How could someone that can't move? Uh, let you know that they're saying yes or no or whatever it is. What do they do? Well, basically, you have to train them. Just like learning any language, you have to learn how to uh, drive your brainwave. Just like to force, you have to train yourself to focus. So we give them a training program. It takes about 15 minutes to learn, and then maybe maybe one day or two days to master it, and then you can start using it to um, move the uh, cursors interacting with the computer. Um, some of them even can achieve uh, typing uh, with a uh, keyboard uh, screen. That's quite slow. So for example, I can type uh, my name Stanley in less than two seconds, I think, seven keystrokes. But for me to use a brain-computer brain device uh, interface to uh, move the cursor and type it or do something, it takes about 15 seconds. So it's not exactly uh, super fast, but it does provide capabilities for um, people to communicate when they don't have any ability to. Okay, well that's great. Um, and uh, <laughs> another another application that we're doing uh, is also trying to help out the community is um, identifying talents of uh, autistic children. Um, a lot of a lot of times these kids uh or young adults they they uh well 
basically autism is about communicating. Many, lots of times, it's not like their brain is deficient or anything. In fact, many of them possess a very good talent, hidden talent, um, but they're not able to communicate or describe what they want to like effectively. So our uh, uh, sensor program, one of the algorithms can sense them feeling positive, extremely good or extremely bad uh, or negative. Um, and then you give them the right amount of stimuli, they can probably identify where their talents are. And are they more uh, talented in music? You can train them to do musician or an artist or uh, math, whatever they like. And and then you can start developing uh, skills for them so they can eventually get a job and support themselves. That's great, yeah. Um, any specifics on how that particular application works? Why would that help train um, autistic people when current methods may not work as well? What is it about it that, that works so well? Oh, okay. Um, it's not that we train them. We identify them. Uh, right now, let's say if you have an autistic kid and he's not able to communicate very well, uh, you have to observe. You have to probably have to have somebody there to observe them and over time try to understand them and maybe identify if they have any sort of hidden talent. Uh, but with our device, all you have to do is let's say put a sensor in a beanie to wear it or um, whatever they're wearing, a hat or cap, and just try to record that onto the cloud how they're feeling during the day. And then you can synchronize that with what he's doing with a camera or whatever, right, if they're in the center, a caretaker center. Um, all of a sudden, you discover that this one particular kid has a strong interest, strong feeling at 2, a, uh, 2 p.m. in the morning, uh, in, in the afternoon, I'm sorry, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, for example, then you can backtrack and see what exactly he was doing at that time. And then you give him the same stimuli again, and he show, again shows very strong interest. Chances are he's very interested in this particular task, right? Um, and without a monitoring device, it's very hard to capture that. And even if he's interested, he's not communicating, so it's hard to observe that uh, with naked eyes. Yeah, and once okay. you identify that, then you can train them. So we're not trying to do the training part. We're trying to do the uh, ID part, the monitoring. Gotcha. Interesting. You probably answered this already, but are there any other projects or products you're coming out with that you're really excited about that you think is going to be a, have a huge impact on people in a positive way or just one that you have yeah. to like personally the most? Yeah, um, there's this one that I really like, is, um, and it's exciting. It's, we're collaborating with the inventor of the 3D technology. Uh, you know, nowadays, you have a 3D movie, 3D TV, and all that. Um, the guy's been spending, he spent the last eight years uh, investigating, uh, researching on how 3D images relate to brain health. And... Oh. Uh, they came up with a program that's been trialed in the hospital now. And the first first uh, program is to, uh, through gaming, you can identify if a person has very early stages of dementia or Alzheimer's. 
And as you yeah. know, this, you know, even uh, President Ronald Reagan went through that Alzheimer's problem. And toward yeah. the end of uh, their lives, for several years, it's extremely difficult for the families to take care of them. And they're probably not living a very happy life anyway. Um, but if you can detect your Alzheimer's or dementia early and, and you seek treatment, uh, there, you know, you can ask uh, hospitals many times. Oftentimes, they can stop the progression or even reverse it. The trick is how to detect that early. Usually, when the symptoms show up, it's kind of late. So, um, by having a uh, a game, a way to verify that. So, let's say we target people who are 65 and up, and um, they all they have to do is just use this game at home, anywhere they want, and they don't even have to play every day. Wait once in a while to make sure they don't have it. Um, and then if, if they do, they go seek help. And let's say if you're 65, you found out you have uh, early stages. If you don't treat it, maybe by age 70, you would, you would not be able to help yourself anymore. And, and okay. you need somebody to help you out. And let's say you live to 85. So from 70 to 85 and 50 years where you need help. Where if you're 65 and you found out you have something and you seek treatment and kind of stop the progression and you did go 85 independently, you die. So, uh, and it saves a lot of uh, heartache for them. So, um, you know, that's the idea. And I, I feel that as the population grows older, um, you know, I mm-hmm. forgot what that number is, a very high percentage that as a popu- for American population, as, as we grow older, um, the baby boomers are getting much older now. They, the, uh, the percentage of people with dementia and Alzheimer's is rising. And that takes a very heavy burden on the society and, uh, and our health care system. So by, by detecting mm-hmm. it early, we can ease the the number of people going into the very uh, worst state. That would be uh, very exciting. Definitely. Okay. And, you know, I should have asked at the beginning, but maybe a little bit about your background. How did you come up with this concept? You know, how did you get into it? Okay, so um, I, I, I was trained as an electrical engineer out of uh, UC Berkeley. And uh, I've had two jobs designing semiconductors. Uh, The first one, I I was uh, uh, an engineer. And second one, I founded a company in in 1997. And I sold it as a CEO and founder and CEO. And then I sold the company in 2004. So after that, I decided I wanted to do something more uh, meaningful, uh, more meaningful for the uh, society, not, not just make money. Um, and But then I'm in high tech. I, I, I'm a semiconductor and, and a chip designer type of person. So I figure I would design sensors that interface machines and humans. Um, and where do I find that? Well, uh, medical machines do that. So uh, what I effectively uh, did uh, with the team is shrinking big medical machines into small uh, consumer-style biosensors uh, right, okay. using semiconductor technology. And then we found a lot of applications after that. Gotcha. Okay. 
Very good. Well, what's what's next for um, for the remainder of 2017? What are you guys looking to roll out next or very soon? You know, what's on the roadmap in the short term? Uh, we are working on this uh, revolutionary blood pressure uh, measurement. Actually, we have been working on it for several years. I think we're finally going to have it ready. Uh, it does not require the standard cuff uh, pump that squeeze your arm or wrist. Uh, all you have to do is touch it for about 30 seconds and you get your blood pressure measurement. I think that's very convenient. Oh, wow. Now you can put that in the yeah. pocket. You don't have to carry it. And uh, you can measure And if you put it on your chest, you can probably measure your blood pressure anytime continuously, which is never done before. So um, at least not in the consumer world. So uh, I'm looking forward to get this product out by the end of the year and uh, ready to collaborate with people that are interested in building the sensor into their product. Okay, very good. And for listeners that are interested in, um, you know, getting a hold of your devices and using them, mm-hmm. what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, so like you said earlier, uh, earlier in the program, neurosky.com, N-E-U-R-O-S-K-Y.com. And we have websites in various languages, so uh, we do have business worldwide. And just uh, send an email inquiry to uh, one of our uh, email destinations, such as sales at neurosky.com or uh, info or whatever. Um, it'll eventually reach our uh, call center or help desk, if you will. And then um, I encourage you to describe your application because we receive a ton of inquiries. And uh, not everybody's putting their applications or their intentions. So when we don't see that, we put the these in the back of the queue. Uh, but when we do see something that's interesting, uh, your proposition is very good and with a good... Um, cost, uh, we move that up to the queue and we respond to there quickly. We try to respond to everybody um, you know, at least within 24 hours, but sometimes there are just bad inquiries and, and sometimes there are even uh, uh, ill-intentioned uh, inquiries aimed to just I don't know what they're, they're doing, but it's just not business inquiry. Mm-hmm. So I would discourage you that. You need to have I, a uh... You need to have a, a a brain scrambling product that you could use in your enemies, right? <laughs> yeah, I re- the, the weirdest one is uh, I receive is uh, why do you guys work with Darth Vader? He represents the evil side. <laughs> I don't know how to respond. <laughs> that's tough to answer. So we ignore that. Well, I'm sure every business gets that. You know, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's but funny. that was fun and kind of tough to answer at the same time. Yeah. All right, Stanley. Well, thank you so much for your time, and it's I think it's really cool the stuff you guys are working on, and you know it sounds like you have a uh, tremendously creative spirit, and you know you'll find ways for us to measure and improve all kinds of metrics we never even knew we could. So uh, thanks for the yeah. time. Well, thanks, Richard. Very, uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, 
such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.